The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. I'll be reading this morning from John chapter 8, verse 31 through 47. And I would remind you once again that as we read the Word of God this morning, this is indeed the Word of God. It is true forever, and it is a life-giving, precious gift. May we all receive it as such. John chapter 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And this is the word of God for the people of God this morning. Let us pray. Father, we do once again ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that you would open our eyes to behold the glory of Jesus Christ. And may we respond, may we be compelled to respond with worship and adoration, with repentance and faith. May you make us more like Jesus this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. Randy Alcorn is a former pastor, now a best-selling author, has written numerous books, and one of the books he has written is called The Grace and Truth Paradox, an excellent uh, short book, easy to read, I highly recommend it. But in that book, he tells the story of his father, who he calls the most resistant person to the gospel that he had ever known. 
In fact, his father had warned him to never talk to him again about that religious stuff. And maybe some of you can relate. But when his father was 84, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And on one particularly painful day, Randy rushed him to the hospital. And his father was scheduled for surgery the next morning. And and that would be a very difficult moment, not only for Randy's father, but for Randy himself as well, because he loved his dad. And he knew that this could be the end of his father's life. And he also knew the truth, that his father did not know and love Jesus. And that if he died without trusting in Christ, his father would suffer for all eternity. So Randy prayerfully made his way to the hospital that morning and he entered into his father's hospital room and he carried his Bible with him and he opened it to the book of Romans. And he began to read from God's word where it says, There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And at that moment, those words were very difficult words for him to read to his father. Because his father had owned a tavern all his life. And he had taken great offense at being called a sinner. At being told that there was a God that he was accountable to. That he was guilty before. That he had rebelled against. That he needed to admit that and confess his sin before God. And so Randy was tempted to just gloss over that portion of God's truth. And just rush right right to the good news of God's grace. But he forced himself to keep reading. Verse after verse about human sin. Because Randy realized that if he really loved his father, he had to tell him the whole truth. He knew that only God could change his father's hard heart. And he knew that his job was simply to say what God says. So he kept reading. And he got to Romans chapter 6. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 10, about being saved by confessing Jesus as our risen Lord. And then he finally looked his father in the eyes. And he said, Dad, have you ever confessed your sins and asked Jesus to forgive you? And he was surprised that his father did not respond in anger. But instead, in a slow but weak voice, he said, No, but I think it's about time I did. And the impossible took place right before his very eyes. As his elderly father confessed his sin and prayed out loud to God, trusting in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in his place. And Randy says that that miracle made the parting of the Red Sea pale in comparison. Well, his father survived that surgery. And Randy enjoyed five more years with his father, watching God's grace at work in his new life. But that morning in the hospital, Randy wanted to minimize the truth of human sin. He wanted to pass the truth and go directly to God's grace. Yet without the truth of God's holiness and the stark reality of our sin, Christ's grace is meaningless. Some churches today talk about grace, but they need a heavy dose of truth. But then there are other churches who embrace the truth of God But they need a heavy dose of grace. You see, grace without truth can lead to moral indifference. And it can actually keep people from seeing their need for Christ. 
But truth without grace can lead to a self-righteous legalism. And it can poison the church and it can misrepresent Christ to the world. We need both grace and truth. And in John chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Two weeks ago, we looked about how Jesus is full of grace. And this morning, we want to see how he is full of truth. We want to behold the glory of Jesus Christ as he is full of truth. And as we do that, the hope and the prayer is that we will be full of truth as well. That we will become more and more like Jesus. And so this morning we turn to John chapter 8 and we see his encounter with these Jewish people. And in this encounter we will see just two things this morning. First of all, we'll see that Jesus tells us the truth from God. And secondly, we'll see that Jesus is the truth That sets us free. So first, Jesus tells us the truth from God. And we will kind of work our way backwards through this text. But if you look at verse 40, Jesus says to the Jews, I told you the truth that I heard from God. So in other words, Jesus speaks the truth from God. He hears it from God and then he communicates it to us. He tells us this truth. You know, is there anything that God cannot do? Sometimes young people like to ask that question and kind of come up with uh, scenarios of something that God might do. Could, could God make a rock so big that he couldn't lift it? Now, some of you might wrestle with that question the rest of this morning. But the, the point of that is, is there anything that God cannot do? And the answer is actually, yes, there are some things that God cannot do. And one of them is, God cannot lie. The Bible says in Hebrews 6 that it is impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. It is contrary to his character, to the essence of who he is. The Old Testament tells us in Numbers 23 that God is not a man, that he should lie. Or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? And in Titus, the Bible says that God never lies. So God is God of truth. He never lies. He cannot lie. And Jesus, God himself in human form, he speaks the truth from God. He never lies. He cannot lie. So all that Jesus says is true and is the truth. This means that Jesus can be trusted. And everything that he says, it is true. You know, this brings great hope and comfort and confidence to the children of God. To know that Jesus is full of truth. Because, you know, we know all people who are the opposite of that, don't we? People whose word you cannot trust. Who always seem to be lying, always seem to be exaggerating. And you never know when they're telling the truth or not. And is there anything more frustrating or more painful or more disappointing than catching someone in a lie? A friend or a child. But Jesus is not like that. He will never be caught in a lie. He will never be proven false. You can count on him. Everything that he says is true. He is full of truth. So you think about the things that he has said. And everything that he says, it is true. And he can be trusted. And and so when he says in John chapter 10 that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, it is true. The God of this world is full of lies. And the temptations of this world are full of lies. And they are never meant to end in your good. But they are meant to steal and kill and destroy. 
It's like an animal trap or, or a mouse trap. The animal sees that there's something desirable, right? Something that looks pleasurable, something good, something I want, something I need, something I will enjoy. And so they go to partake, to taste, and they might enjoy it for a moment, not knowing that it will cost them their life. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But then it goes on and Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so we can know that that is true. Jesus has come that we may have true life, full life, abundant life, eternal life. And John 6 When he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Or John 7, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We saw that in John 4, two weeks ago, with this woman of Samaria. That Jesus came to bring her living water. That if she would drink of this water, she would never be thirsty again. But a spring of water would well up into her, leading to eternal life. That is true. Do you believe that? Do you live like that is true? Or are you looking to the things of this world to satisfy you, to give you meaning and purpose and value? Do you treasure the things of this world more than Jesus? Now hear the words of Jesus here in John 8 verse 46, where he says, if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Jesus speaks the truth from God. He tells us the truth about all things, about what is real, about what is important, about life and death, about how to have all your sins forgiven and to know God and live in fellowship with Him and have eternal life. He tells us the truth that He is God, that He came to rescue His people, to lay down His life for them, to die in their place so that they could have life. And He calls us to give up control of our lives to Him and to commit to following Him every day. Jesus is full of truth. May you believe him. May you trust him. May you look to him for life. You know, we live in a world full of lies, don't we? Politicians invent war records. Coaches embellish their resumes in an attempt to get jobs that they are not qualified for. Employees call in sick while they're out on the golf course. Students cheat. Maybe that was too close to home for some of you. Students cheat on their exams. Ads promise intimacy with someone beautiful if you will just drink this beer or use this deodorant. Kids lie to their parents about where they've been, what they've been doing, who they were with. This is the world that we live in, a world of lies and deception and half-truths. And there is pressure in this world to lie. I'm sure you've experienced it. A friend of mine told me about a time when he sold his car to a woman he did not know and they met at the AAA office and, and they exchanged the money and then as they're making their way to the desk to complete the transaction, she looks over at him and says, well, when we get up there, just tell them that I bought it for this amount, hundreds of dollars less than what they actually uh, paid for. And he just looked at her and said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And she was incredulous. Why, why not? Why couldn't you do that? And his answer was simple. Because it's not true. And she looked at him as if he was the one who was doing something wrong. There's incredible pressure in this world to lie. This world is full of lies. But in this world that is full of lies, Jesus stands apart. He is full of truth. And if you follow Jesus, you will be marked by the truth. You will be marked by honesty. But if you follow the world, 
and the God of this world, the devil, you will be marked by lies. You see, there's a contrast in this passage. There's a contrast between the truth and the lie, between Jesus and the devil. Listen again to verse 44. Jesus says to these people, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. The God of this world is the opposite of Jesus. He's a con man, always denying, revising, spinning the truth. But you see, when we speak the truth, we speak Christ's language. When we speak lies, we speak the devil's language. When we lie, when we are not honest with our lives, we speak the language of the devil. But as you behold the glory of Jesus Christ, the one full of truth, may you live a life of truth. May your words and your actions be marked by truth. You know, not too long ago, I was playing a game of pickup basketball just with with some men, and in these games, there's no refs. We just, we act as our own referees, calling our own fouls, and, you know, sometimes that works out well, and sometimes it doesn't. But I remember this one time we're playing, and, and this one guy apparently stepped out of bounds. And he said, oh, I stepped out of bounds. Okay, now it's, it's the other team's ball. And, and nobody else had seen it. He was the only one who'd seen it. Nobody else knew. And I remember, I heard one of the guys commended him for his honesty. And it was a big surprise that he would admit to that when nobody else knew it. Why wouldn't he just play and, and keep the ball? But why, why should that be such a big surprise? No, that shouldn't be a surprise for the followers of Jesus, right? If you call yourself a Christian... Both your words and your actions will be marked by truth. Your friends will notice that you are different from the rest of their friends because you do not lie to them. You don't say one thing to their face and something else behind their back or on Facebook. You keep your word. You are dependable. You can be trusted. If you're an employee, you don't cut corners. You act with integrity. Some of you are at the stage of your life or maybe very near to the stage of your life where you're going to head off to college or you're going to have a much greater sense of independence and freedom. And you're not going to be under the watchful eye of your parents all the time. And I want to just ask you, as you consider that opportunity that you have, is your life marked by the truth? Think about the way you live during the week and over the weekend. Does it reflect the truth that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the only one worthy of your worship, the one that you treasure far above all else? And what about on Sunday mornings? You know, if you say you believe in Jesus and love him, and you are not part of a church, something is off. And that could be a whole other sermon. But to say that you love Jesus and then not be part of a church that he died to gather and build that he loves is not to be full of truth. And so if you're at that stage of your life where you're going to have the freedom to make that choice, just remember every time that you sleep in, every time that you skip church, your life is telling a lie about the truth and the church and its importance to those who belong to Christ. And what about our marriages? You know, just yesterday I had the great joy and privilege of participating in a wedding in this building Dan Bleeker and Rachel Gibb were united in marriage yesterday. And any time that I partake in a marriage, I always communicate that God created marriage to be a picture, a living drama of the relationship between Christ and his bride, 
the church. And I always encourage the bride and the groom to let their marriage tell the truth about that. Because Christ will never forsake his bride, the church. God will never separate that relationship. And our marriages are to tell the truth about that. Some of you might be here this morning and maybe you're in the midst of a marriage that is very difficult and you're struggling or maybe you think it's beyond repair. And let me just encourage you to turn to Jesus, to look to him for the grace and the strength and the help that you need so that your marriage can reflect his glory and tell the truth about his commitment to his bride, the church. You know, if we are honest with ourselves and we think about this, there are many areas that the Holy Spirit will convict us of our failure to live lives marked by the truth, that he will convict us of our sin. In my own life, it grieves me to think about how often I fail to represent Christ in my own home, to my wife, to my children. But when the Spirit convicts us of our sin, He drives us to the cross. He drives us to Jesus where we can acknowledge our sin. We can acknowledge our need. We can confess our sin and we can receive God's grace. Because it's in Jesus that we find the hope that we need. Because not only does Jesus tell us the truth from God, but Jesus is the truth that sets us free. He is the truth that sets us free. In verse 34, Jesus said, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And so what he's communicating to these people and to us today is that everyone is a slave to sin. Every person who's ever been born is born under the power, the dominion of sin. You see, sin is not just the bad things that we do, but it's this power in our hearts that compels us to do bad things. That creates in us a desire to be free from the authority of God and to be our own authority. That creates compelling desires for things other than Jesus. We have this bent toward evil that we cannot escape. We cannot change our own hearts. We cannot get free. This is slavery to sin. But the slavery to sin is not only in its power or dominion, but it's also in its penalty. It's damnation that enslaves us. Unless something or someone intervenes, this slavery leads to death, to eternal death, to hell. And you need to understand that this morning because you might be here this morning and you might not believe that you have this inner bent towards evil or that you do evil things. Or maybe you're here and you're totally fine with desiring other things more than Jesus. And so, like the people in this passage, you might think that you are free already. But you wouldn't think that if you saw clearly that the end of that road was destruction. You know, the mouse thinks he's enjoying freedom. Thinks he's enjoying his favorite peanut butter, not knowing that the next bite is going to set the trap and he will be dead. And that might sound harsh, but that's nothing compared to the wrath of what all mankind faces before a holy God apart from Jesus Christ. This is slavery to sin that we all face, that we cannot change. The power of sin, the penalty of sin. And only Jesus can free us. In verse 36, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In verse 32, he had told the people, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
But then in verse 36, he clarifies that and says, if it's the Son who sets you free. So we see that Jesus is the truth that sets us free. And he is the only truth that sets us free. Remember, everything that he says is true. So in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is true. Two weeks ago, when we looked at John chapter 4, Jesus was heading down to Galilee, and it said he had to go through Samaria. And you you might remember we made the point that there were other ways. He could have gone another way, but not here. Not here. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. And we know this claim that Jesus makes is one that many find unacceptable. Many find offensive. But just notice two things about this claim that Jesus makes. First of all, it's a claim made by Jesus. It's not a claim made by us, not a claim made by the church. This is what Jesus himself has said. Jesus who died and rose again, who came back from the dead, proving that he was God. So what he says is true. And if his words are true, secondly, notice, it ought not to be offensive, right? This is what we most need. A rescue has come. A remedy has been made. Salvation has been offered. This is the freedom that we need. So instead of being offended... We ought to be thankful, filled with joy and gratitude. Jesus is the truth, the only way to God. David Platt is a a pastor down south with a great heart for missions. And he tells the story of being in Indonesia, standing outside of a Buddhist temple. And he was having a conversation with a Buddhist leader and a Muslim leader. and, And they were talking to him about religion. And they were basically trying to get him to understand that all the religions in the world are basically the same. You know, they might have some minor differences, but in the end, they're all basically the same. And so they asked him what he thought about that. Did he understand? And so he said to them, well, let me me get this straight. So in your minds, you basically see it as, you know, God or, or whatever you call God being at the top of a mountain. And all of us are down at the bottom of that mountain. And... You might take one path up the mountain and somebody else might take another path up the mountain the other side and maybe I'll create my own path up the mountain. But in the end, we're all headed to the same place and we all end up at the same place there at the top with God. And they looked at him all excited. Yeah, yeah, you get it. That's it. And he leaned in and he asked him, well, what would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain came down to us? And what would you think If I told you that the God at the top of the mountain does not wait for us to find our way to him, does not wait for us to work our way to him, but instead he has come down to rescue us. And they said, well, well, that would be wonderful. And he leaned in and he said, well, let me introduce you to Jesus. No, Randy Alcorn had the privilege and joy of introducing his father to Jesus as he lay in a hospital bed facing his own death. Who can you introduce to Jesus this week? No, it may not be as dramatic, and it may even be rejected. But what a privilege it is to point people to the truth, to point people to Jesus by both our words and our actions to point people to the one who is full of truth. And maybe today you are here 
and you are honestly considering for the first time that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who tells us the truth from God, the one who is the truth that sets us free. If that is you this morning, let me again just leave you with his question. In verse 46, Jesus said, If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe in me? He who has ears to hear, let him hear and believe and trust in the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious to us and giving us your truth. And we pray that you would turn our hearts towards you this morning, that we, your people, would delight in you, that we would be marked by both grace and truth, that you would be glorified in our lives. And we pray these things again in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.